Welcome to NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards, and it's been a bank holiday bonanza of National League games. Two rounds of games over the weekend. So, we're recording this after the Monday's games. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at who's had a good week and a bad week, and who's a bit indifferent at the minute. Joining me, as always, it is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good evening, Luke. It's been a busy weekend. Good to see you. Joining us from the Off The Line blog, it is Joe Pope. Hello, Joe. Hi there. Thanks for having me again. It's nice to be on to uh, talk about some other teams to distract away from my own. <laughs> yeah, we'll get onto that very shortly. And also joining us is Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Hi, guys. Great to join you and looking forward to a, just a good old crying with Joe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well... Well, shall we start rather than the good week, uh, the good weekend, and shall we start with a bad weekend? Because I'll, um, it's like therapy session. You and Joe can both get it off your chests. Yeah, I mean there have been a, a few teams that lost both games, of course, um, over the weekend. Um, I can't remember the last team I watched. The last time I watched my team lose two games, that there's absolutely no way they should have lost either room. But um, quickly up at Oldham. Another decent showing from Mark Mosley's men, despite what everybody wants to tell you. Um, and 90th minute free kick, great opportunity. Archie Davis sticks it towards the top corner. Magnus Norman makes a brilliant save. And then uh, Oldham create their only chance in the final mm. 25 minutes um, with seconds to go, 96 minutes. Um, well it was done, the hope that Helen killed hope. you, Rob, wasn't it? <laughs> it's the hope that kills you. He's, uh, he tried to kill off York as well. No, oh. it has killed him. <laughs> He's gone. There we go. Literally, hope has finished him off because he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps almost literally. Joe and Tarky, a bad weekend for them. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go wholly on the same line as Rob in that we deserve to win both, um, or certainly didn't deserve to lose both, but. We're just not, we're, we're losing the, the fine margins again. I mean, at Maidstone, we had chance after chance. You know, we had a we had a striker played through one-on-one -on -one with the keeper and he trips over his own feet. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it, it's this, I mean, um, Will Goodwin that used to be at Chester that Dickie may know um, that got a move to Stoke um, that was on loan, who's actually has looked quite good for us so far, but, you know, he trips over his own feet in a, you know, a touch 20 yards out of his feet, which goes straight to the keeper. So, um, you know, we, and we then we lose again there. Um, and then today um, against Wokeham, um, poor in the first half, but we managed to keep it close and, uh, you know, get then go go ahead. Um, first bit of quality that we've had all season in terms of the attacking play comes from our centre-back, Ali Omar, who put in a delicious cross for for Ross Marshall to, to score a header. Um, and then uh, James Daly, who was probably the smallest man on the whole pitch today, um, scores a header at the back post. Um, and from one all, um, we capitulated again. Um, two good saves from Reese Lovett, who's come in um, because Mark Halstead is injured. Um, and both times he's saved it and it's gone straight to their, their player to tap in. Um, we're just not getting the rub of the green. Um, which is easy to say when you keep losing, but um, you know I'm not that worried at the moment because all the games are close. But the fact that we are losing 
um, you know, every week um, is a concern. And it looks like Gary Johnson's concerned as well. But you listen to his interviews. I mean, he sounds like a broken man half the time. You know, he's he's fed up. I was going to say, is that, do you think he's close to the end? I mean, I know I put in the WhatsApp group, is, is, his, is his day done? Certainly, as a manager, I was talking about the contacts. You kind of took me to task on that. But do you think his time at Torquay is coming to a close? I think it's um, getting there. I wouldn't say it's there yet. I think that the, 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 the supporters are very, very much split. Um, some are saying that, you know, he needs to go. And I think sort of the knee-jerk reaction is, you know, just because we're six games in and we've only won once, you know, he's got to go um, and they want someone that plays attacking football. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's six games in. We've lost a spine of our team, which would have challenged most other spines in the whole division. You know, Ross McDonald, we've lost Conor Lemonet Evans, we've lost Armani Little, um, you know, we've lost all those players. Um, I wouldn't get rid of him yet. I mean, he's an experienced manager. I joked actually last or earlier in the day, actually after the game, um, in our group chat saying that we all know how the season's going to finish at Torquay. They're going to sign three or four players from the EFL in January and end up mid-table and just miss out on the playoffs by a couple of points. Um, you know, it, it happens, it will happen last season and it will probably happen this season. Um, there are, you know, growing sections of the fan base that are, are disappointed, but I'm on the older shop Facebook to, you know, see their things. And they're all saying the same, you know, you've got those on there. You know, Mark Molesley's got to go. I mean, we're six games in. Uh, Rob alluded to, they did all right against Oldham, just dipped out. They did OK today and and obviously lost um, two games that Rob said they shouldn't have lost. Um, so their fan base is also split. I'm sure Rob will say Mark Molesley should stay. Um, but you've got those that say he should go. Um, I'm not in the holy Johnson camp because I don't feel there's somewhere on the, or there's somebody on the, uh, the market or in the, you know, out there that can suddenly come in and do a better job with these set of players that Johnson is doing. Um, would I like a change perhaps at the end of the season? That's a different question, I think. Mm. Um, but we'll sort of get that way uh, when we when we get there, I think. So as you said before, Hallam Holt literally killed off your iPad as well. Um, it was, yeah. <laughs> two, it was a defeat he against Oldham on Friday and then you went into today and Maidstone turned up at the EBB. Before the game, uh, Rob caught up with Maidstone's radio co club commentator, uh, Chris Bechevez, to get his thoughts on the season so far. I'm joined by Chris Bechevez from Stones Live. Uh, we've been covering Maidstone matches live since 2007 which tells me that, uh, Chris, you've seen a few ups and downs, haven't you? Um, let's just talk briefly about last season. You went on to be champions in the end. Uh, that must have been a glorious thing to cover from a media point of view. Yeah, well, it's always easy because you get our volunteers who are willing to go to away matches as well, uh, which is quite good. But yeah, absolutely fantastic. I mean, yeah, it's not the first time. I mean, in our what we call the Jay Saunders era, when Jay was our manager, we had, um, I think it was... Um, three promotions in, in four seasons. So, you know, we've, we've seen um, ups and downs, not more ups and downs, I have to say, which is good. Uh, but yeah, yeah, last season, absolutely fantastic. And the sort of, the, you could see the team sort of building in confidence as the season went on and uh, saw them through to the end of the season, really. So looking at this season so far, a little five games prior to this one at Aldershot Town today, and the Stones have got two wins, a draw and two losses. Um, I know fans and players and managers always want more, but 
If I'd offered you seven points from the first five games at the start of the season, would you have accepted? Considering that um, six of Hakan Hayreddin's first-team choice are out uh, for those games, certainly, yeah, I think it's a, a great result. Um, I think we would have wanted that if they had been in the side as well. So the fact they haven't been there has it's been a plus, really. Um, coming from uh, an Aldershot Town point of view, um, obviously Cody Lyons Foster's now on loan, can't play today. Um, but how are other X shots doing there? George Fowler at the back uh, and Regan Booty. Yeah, rock solid. Uh, Regan Booty, I guess he's the midfield maestro, uh, spraying the ball out all over the place. And um, yeah, he's, he was very key in our uh, title win last season, obviously. Uh, interesting to see Justin Amaluza. Uh, this afternoon, um, who last season joined another stone at uh, Motherwell, um, but back here now, and um, interesting to see him uh, come up. I noticed he was having a chat with some of the Maystone players just now. So uh, I think, you get yeah. that these days, don't yeah, you? In the yeah. National League, there's a lot of the players really do know each other, and you, you get a little bit of a loving before the game, and then of course they kick lumps out of each other. A player I want to ask you about, and it'll be my first opportunity to see him probably potentially have 90 minutes today. Noticed how prolific he is at a level below. How do you think he's doing so far and will he do this season in the National League, Jack Barham? Yeah, good question. Um, to be honest, I think the, he's already scored a, a couple of goals, I think, already. Mm. But he's, um, I think, yeah, the uh, jury's still out on whether he's going to sort of uh, do the same this year. I mean, uh, there are a lot stronger, a lot more solid defences in this league and it's going to be certainly a, a bigger challenge for him. But I think he's up to it. He's not, he's not exactly the, uh, the tallest of forwards, but he does jump a long way. He's a bit of a Ronaldo in that respect that he can jump despite his height and can challenge for, for balls up front. But I'm just wondering whether the experience of some of the defenders in this higher level, um, you know, he might not have so much success, but we'll have to wait and see. Now, I hope they'll catch up with Hakan afterwards, but um, he's obviously has limited management experience but he has managed at this level before he was only joint manager then and then when left last season to manage the team uh not left but when given the um uh given the responsibility to manage the team he he, he was a champion so what have you got to say about hack and high retin yeah well you know i think i think he's he's learned a lot from his time with john still and um you know and you can see a lot of John Steele's methods in, in what he does. And of course, John Steele's been very successful at our club. You know, we won the what was the conference then uh, back in 1989 with John Steele at the helm. And so uh, the other thing which has been very helpful is that um, he also uses John Steele's scouting system. So John Steele had a brilliant scouting system where he pulled in some players from nowhere, really down in the depths of non-league, who have proved themselves to be well they're worth. And I, I think that's going to be very beneficial. But I think... So Southend get first dibs yeah, and then Maidstone after. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> probably, probably. But I, th- I think that, you know, Hakan has, has proved last season that he can do it on his own at this level. And uh, I, I, I think he'll, he'll do well for the club. Yeah, they did. And I want to give Hakan Hayretin and his men full credit for the victory um, and also for having a pretty decent start to the National League season. Ten points now, mm. um, only outside the, the playoffs on goal difference. And they're um, in and a good the weekend camp, aren't they? Two wins out of yeah. two. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the uh, reasons I want to give them credit is they they've been without some key key players at the start of this season and they've settled pretty well. A little bit more on that to follow from Hakan, but um, it was an odd one. It was a strange one. Aldershot played the best they've played all season in the first half. I think there was probably six chances in the first half. Five of them were Aldershot. 
two or three of them very good. In the Effiong smashed the header against the underside of the bar. And it was hard to believe that Aldershot weren't winning at half-time. But they've come out for the second half. And, and like was the theme in a number of games on Bank Holiday Monday, you've got a big turnaround um, in the game situation. Um, and, and Maidstone scored, I think, three goals in five minutes. Little bit of a soft penalty. Um, but after that, a couple of great runs down the line and crosses from Christy Patterson and Jack Barham. Uh, it's the first time I've seen him score. And uh, he's small, he's diminutive, but he's a little pest. He doesn't stop running and he, he times his runs well and he gets to the right places. So, yeah, Maidstone literally sucker punched Aldershot in a five-minute spell. And it was too much to come back from Justin Amaluza hammered home a half volley for his uh, third goal of the season already. He's started well, but Aldershot Town collectively, results-wise, haven't. And sadly, it's five defeats out of six for Mark Molesley's men. I'm still going to stick my neck out, though, and say I think it's a better squad than last year, and I think they'll do better this year. Uh, and that takes a lot of strength to say that, because anybody who's not been at all of those games and watched all those minutes would probably be just patting themselves on the back and saying, yeah, I thought Aldershot would struggle this season. Yeah, I thought all the shots struggle this season. I'm gonna tap me back. <laughs> no, it's funny. The the bottom of the league at the minute, and I know Joe's just been alluding to it. Then there's a lot on sort of social media saying Mosley's got a go. But again, you can't, as we always say, you can't at least judge anything until ten games yet, can you? Yeah, it's a little bit early. I mean, last year it took all the shot fifteen games to get to ten points. Mm. I like to think they'll get there a little bit quicker this season. Um, the bulk of the Aldershot Town fans' frustration. Um, well, today, anyway, was aimed at uh, the chairman, Shahid Azim. Uh, there seems to be uh, increased calls for him to go. But what Shahid is, in my personal opinion, he's a, he's, he's a steady pair of hands that's, that's, that didn't walk away when he could have done many years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, he's not going to bankroll the club. He's not that kind of chairman, but he has stuck around. And that's something he deserves a little bit of credit for. I think the frustration at Aldershot is... I think it's the sixth or seventh season out of nine now. They've really struggled at the wrong end. Um, and it's tough to take. It's particularly tough to take when they just can't do it at home. Three defeats in three at home now. And the only side in the National League without a, a, a point at home. And Rob, I know you caught up and had a quick chat with uh, Hakan Hareton after the game. Hakan, is that the, the archetypal away performance? Hang in there, difficult times in the first half and then get it all wrapped up yeah, five minutes into sure. the second. You know, the, the longer you stay in the game, the more chances you're going to have to win it. We obviously didn't sort of retain the ball as well as what we should have done in the first half, in the final third. And, and I, was, I was critical of my wingers in our, in our front feet. Everything we preached and everything we've done over the years, it all happened in 10 minutes. It all come good. So, And then it was about maintaining what we've got and containing what they were going to throw at us. And I think we did that really, really well. I think we were worthy winners. 10 points already amassed this season. That's despite having a few first-teamers unavailable six, to you. Six. Decent uh, quality first-teamers. You must be pleased with your points total so far. I know you always want more. Of course. But um, just uh, you know, on the fringe of the playoff positions already and uh, you've settled nicely. We, we've got to work hard. Every, every day has different challenges at this level and it's a ruthless unforgiving level as you can see here today um, we've just got to keep working hard making sure that we're prepared for every game doing the right things and um, I'm sure we're going to be okay but fundamentally and I keep talking about this it's not our ability it's our hard work that's going to be the key to what we're going to do and our ability is going to be secondary and again we did it again today 
Now, you're coming back to manage at this level for the second time. When third. you did it well, third time, beg your pardon, I can say uh, the last time you, you were doing it, it was a shared role, and I'm sure you took a lot from your, 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 your time and your, your, and your years with John still. But no, it's my not fourth. Fourth, actually, yeah, is fourth, it? fourth, yeah. Listen, yeah. he's my mentor. I've, yeah. I've worked with John quite a lot, yeah. and I've worked with Terry Harris at two or three different clubs. We've got Between us, we've got a wealth of experience and knowledge. You know, I'm sure that if I look back, I'll do things maybe slightly differently than what I did last time, but I'm quite dogmatic. I know what I want and I'll stick to what I want. I'm quite inclusive with the players. You know, they can have their say, but ultimately we've got to fall in line with what we think is going to be the right way for us to play. We recruit players based on our philosophy and the way we do things. And today was a product of that. I'm sure you wanted the three points regardless today, but with uh, three, maybe four, Exeter shot down players uh, in your side and in your squad, the, the players wouldn't have needed too much motivating, no, would they? No, not really. I yeah. mean, George Fowler, we signed him last season, coming down an exceptional job, and Josh Fawali, he, you know, I try to sign him before anybody else tried to sign him. I don't even know how he ended up at Aldershot, but mm. he's got an opportunity now, you know, and I'm happy for him. But overall, really, really pleased for the players. You know, and I've told them, listen, let's just get one thing straight here. This is an unforgiving level, but you're not here just to make the numbers up. You're here to compete, and that's what we're going to do. And that was Hakan Aretin, a lovely bloke. Um, I know lots of respect for him around the league, and um, as I say, he's um, had a good weekend, and, and as you mentioned, a really good start to the season for them. Yeah, I think so, and uh, as you mentioned in the interview, so I said to him, oh, it's his second time back at this level, but he's in charge on his own now. And he corrected me and said it's the third time. And, and then to, a, little, a few seconds later, he went, no, it's the fourth time. Mm. Um, but uh, no, he, he's a very, very humble man. And to be honest, our, our chat off air when we'd finished recording was, he, he, he was asking about the stick that Mosley was getting. And he said, it doesn't seem fair. Um, and I said, well, the problem is right now that... Um, you can't be unlucky every week. And you guys will know that I keep saying all the shots are unlucky in games, but there has to be, um, uh, you know, some some consistency in that unluckiness, doesn't there, which is which is alarming and what they need to address. But coming back to Maidstone, great to see them back in the National League. Brilliantly supported today, by the way. 408 fans at the EBB. And they had a very happy afternoon uh, heading back to Kent. Yeah, another team who've had a bad weekend and a bad season in general, Scunthorpe. They have lost all the games apart from the opening game against Yeovil. So it's only two wins in 2022. Uh, a defeat against Halifax, who hadn't, who'd only scored one goal. They got the first goal on Saturday in their defeat to Notts County. Uh, they had, they'd only picked up one point until they went to Glanford Park. Uh, they won by two goals to nil. Thanks to. Kean Spence and Jordan Slew and massive relief for Chris Millington to get that win. But for Scunthorpe uh, and Keith Hill, I mean, the knives will really be out now, Joe, won't they? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, after coming down from the EFL uh, and going into the National League with largely the same squad, um, Keith Hill would have wanted a good start because otherwise we could have perhaps seen them do what Southend United did last season after they came down. Um, and yeah, you know, that's what we've seen. Um, another defeat today, another game in which they haven't scored. Um, another game in which Keith Hill has rung the changes very early in the game, two changes today at half time. Um, a couple of their new signings coming on. Uh, one of those, uh, Apta, um, who came on. Um, and yeah, they just haven't seemed to got going. Obviously, they won on the telly against Yeovil. Um, 
you do feel it was kind of like first game in the National League, you know, a big, the cameras are in town, get off to a nice big start, you know, good start with the winning. Um, but since then, they've they've really, really struggled. And from what I see on social media, I know social media is not the, the best reflection, but uh, it looks like Keith Hill is uh, very, very much uh, at his end now, I think. And Dickie, I know you made the point, didn't you, um, about... Southend did exactly the same thing as Scunthorpe were doing. He kept a lot of the players that got them relegated and, and that didn't really work out for them. They had to, then had to kind of do smart recruitment elsewhere and Scunthorpe just haven't learned that lesson, have they? It doesn't look that way. Um, I'm happy to be corrected on that, but it certainly looks as though um, the, the, the players that they've started this season with are, are to a large extent players that they ended last season with. And I'm not saying that, you know, all of those players are responsible for Scunthorpe being where they are, you know, for Scunthorpe's relegation. But when you've been through something like that, it's it's sometimes about changing the mentality around the club. Um, and as, as difficult as that might have been, you know, they probably looked at it. I just kind of look and think, are they underestimating the National League to think that you can keep a group of players who were League Two players and that will be good enough in the National League? Because I'm afraid there's evidence time and time again that we've seen in recent seasons that, you know, that, that there is a very, very small gap, if 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 any gap at all between the two. And I think just keeping them in the hope that you think that's going to be enough, you know, that might have been fine 20, 25 years ago when, you know, teams did first start to get, you know, promoted automatically and relegated between um, the EFL and the National League, but not anymore. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a dreadful start for Scunthorpe. And, uh, you know, we, we saw what happened with... Um, South End last season, you know, protests against Ron Martin and fans fearing they were going to drop straight through into National League South. And it, it took, you know, credit to Ron Martin, it did take him saying, look, I need some help here and getting in some people who actually knew what they were doing at this level. And Scunthorpe may need to do the same thing. Yeah, there's, well, there's a lot of dissent against the chairman as well. And as, as you know, it's like when you're playing at home in front of that atmosphere... It doesn't help. I know they've obviously not won away from home as well, but when the fans are constantly, there's that doom and gloom. It probably spreads to the players, doesn't it? I think it can, yeah, absolutely. I think it's, uh, you know, we, we speak about a losing mentality and I think that's kind of what it means. You know, that, that feeling of, oh no, here we go again hmm. and shoulders dropping and heads going down when things go against you is is a it's a, it's a really, really, difficult thing to change um and if you if you can't change that mindset in the existing group then you're probably going to have to bring some people into that group who've not been affected by all that negativity who can help to try and change the way the rest of the group think um and the way the rest of the group feel and yeah I, 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 it looks we'll see but it's not the signs aren't good for Scunthorpe at all Before i think on... that's why the I, th I think that's why recently we've, uh, I think the last week or so, we've seen Keith Hill go and get a couple of players in, you know, to just try and change the personnel in the building, bring in those four, you know, three or four new faces to try and freshen it up and, you know, mean that they don't have to rely on the players that have underperformed for a year or so, virtually. 
Um, so yeah. And you know, maybe credit. Maybe we 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 doing Keith Hill a disservice here. Maybe Keith Hill, his first instinct is to be loyal to those group and said, "Look, almost you got us into this mess. I'm giving you the chance to get us back out of it, but you can't let the links to go on for too long before you say, well, I'm really sorry, but you you've had your chance. This is about the future of Scunthorpe United Football Club, and if we're going to stay as a minimum in this division before we can, you know, rebuild." There's going to have to be changes. Before we get on to the obvious suspects of who's had a good week, can I chuck in uh, Yeovil as having a good weekend? Four points for them. They got the first win on Saturday. They had a glorious chance to win at Wealdstone, which they didn't. It was um, Malika Linton who missed a penalty. It's uh, well, he's basically sent it in towards London City Centre, I think, with it. it went that high over. But they'll feel it's a missed opportunity not getting six points, won't they, Joe, from this weekend? But considering the sort of what Chris Hargreaves has had to start with, is he's gradually the chipping away, aren't they? Yeah, another one that's proven me wrong. It feels like everybody I've backed to do uh, poorly this season uh, is proving me wrong. Um, he'll be really, really happy at the weekend, four points. Um, you know, it's been a, a positive weekend or week in general. You know, he's got four points, um, even though they drew today and should have won it, um, you know, with that penalty. A nil-nil draw or a draw away on the road against Wildstone is is very good. Obviously, I'll come on to Wildstone in a minute, but um, you know it's been a good week. They've extended Sam Pearson's loan from uh, from Bristol City. He's been really good so far, from what I hear um, about that uh, about uh, Sam. Um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a positive week, and I don't think Yeovil fans would have expected as positive a start as they have had so far. If we're going to be really harsh. Here, Yeovil should have had six points, shouldn't they? Malachi Linton, who played his part in Lewis Kinsella's sending off. I'd watched it back. Yeah. First it's ever sending poor. off on it as well. Yeah, first ever sending off. It's pretty poor. It's pretty petty. He's got his back to Linton and Linton just shoves him in the back to move him out of the way to get the ball to take the free kick. Um, and I don't think Kinsella really realises what's going on. And he just really, just quite lazily and petulantly swings a little bit of a leg. There wasn't he wasn't kicking him to hurt him or anything. He was just kind of giving him a little bit of a shove back. You can't, technically, probably, yeah, a very soft red card. Uh, but Linton, uh, you know, blazes his penalty over later. And Yeovil really should be sitting on six points out of six this weekend. So, personally, I'd be surprised if uh, Hargreaves is happy coming away from Wealdstone with a nil-nil when he played against 10 men for so long and had a penalty. So, I think it's a mixed weekend for Yeovil, very, very good win on Saturday, that's for sure. And I didn't realise we'd moved to the good Luke. There's another stinker that needs highlighting, and that's Dorkin Wanderers. Um, they've really properly had a welcome this weekend mm. to yeah. the National League. Uh, nothing's really gone for them. I feel for for uh, for Dorkin and Mark White, given that uh, they had a really tough game at Solihull anyway, and they've wrongly had a man sent off uh, Philpot in the first 20 minutes. Now, that red card's been rescinded. But uh, the points don't get rescinded, do they? They don't get another go at trying to get any points off of Solly Moors. They eventually uh, went down uh, by the three goals there and then by four in the end on Monday, despite leading at half-time with Alfie Rutherford's goal. Um, Borenwood got back into it with a really good set piece. And it was a, a bracer piece for Tyrone Marsh and for Lee Undlove, who uh, mm. really introduced himself to the National League this afternoon with a couple of cracking finishes 
Um, so Dorkin, you know, the cynics might say, oh, have they been found out? I don't think so. It's a big ask for a part-time club to uh, go through the set of fixtures that they've been through. They started better than everybody thought. They found it difficult in the last couple of games. But I think they'll continue to play the role of party poopers this season. And they'll take a lot more points off teams than many people think. I think Dorkin will be OK this season. But it was a stinking weekend for Dorkin. I think uh, it just goes to show, uh, you know, last season we criticised Luke Garrard for not having the strength of squad, um, you know, to, to go and win a game. You know, he's brought Zach Brunt on today, 10 minutes into the second half. He's gotten a, a couple of assists. He's brought Tyrone Marsh on at half-time. Um, he's got two goals. Um, and he's then brought Denon Lewis on two minutes before half-time, um, whether that was tactical or whether that was injury. Um, but he's brought him on um, and he was involved in one of the goals as well. So it just goes to show this year that mm. how good a squad uh, Luke Goward has got there now. And Dickie Leon will find in his feet as well. It's uh, He got off the mark on Saturday. That's three and two for him now after a slow start. Yeah, it's pleasing to see um, for, for Leon Love. Um, he's, uh, it has been a little bit of a uh, adapting to new surroundings. He's been at, at Brackley Town for a long time, but he's... Another forward, um, I think most of the top scorers in the National League North last season moved up when you think of um, Scott and Langstaff going to Notts County and Lee and Love um, making the step up. You know, he might have looked at, at the, the guys who went to Notts County and seen them banging in the goals and kind of thinking, is it going to happen for me? Well, he's made a, a, a good start this weekend and uh, yeah, it, it's nice to see him off the mark. Yeah, and Danny Elliott, of course, moving up. Um, a lot of teams have got four points this weekend, haven't they? No, you've got the likes of South End, for example, you've got four points. And we've also got Wheelstone, who I know you want to sing the praises about. They were top of the league on Saturday. The only drill, as you mentioned, against Yeovil on Monday. So they're now in third, but what a start for them. Yeah, I mean, I want, I want to sing their praises, because I, th- I think Stuart Maynard's done a fabulous job there. Um, I really, really do. I think, uh, you know, I watched them last year when they came to Yeovil. And I was so impressed with them. Um, although the game ended in a draw, they were so impressive. The way that they passed the ball around and moved. And, uh, you know, the two games there um, that they've had people sent off. You know, one today, one in the last game uh, on Saturday. And they've managed to get four points from them. Um, two clean sheets as well. One on the road um, at Gateshead. It's not an easy place to go. Um, you know, I think if there's one team so far that I would look at in the National League and say, you know, they are the highlight so far, I would go for Wildstone. I, I think Maynard has done a fabulous job, the way he manages to get so much out of that budget, mm-hmm. the way he manages to recruit so well. Um, and he's done superb so far. And the fact the part-time, Rob, as well, aren't they? I mean, the team spirit there is brilliant mm-hmm. by all accounts. Could, could they do a sorting? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to have a look at them, you know, firsthand. Um, they've certainly had a, a fantastic start. If they can keep it up, I don't know. But uh, togetherness can get you a long way in this league. So um, that togetherness really pays off, doesn't it, when you go down to 10 men, as they've done in both the games over the weekend. And despite going down to 10, despite being part-time, they've uh, gone and got themselves four points out of six. So uh, still a good weekend for Wheelstone. I think we've got obviously got a praise Chesterfield really good Weekend for them, six points to beat Barnet 3 1. And then he came from behind at Altrincham to win by two goals to one. Shamanga scored in both of those games, and he's such a big 
plus for them. Last year, of course, I saw them away at Altrincham without Shimanga and they looked, they struggled, it's fair to say. Now Shimanga's back, the top of the league. And I know we had doubts to say, could Paul Cook bring in the right signings? But it's going well for them so far. Very well. Asante started to score goals. Shimanga's coming back. Uh, and they have got a really good set of results to start the season, Chesterfield, and with hu huge club, huge expectations. Um, they're doing a little bit better than, uh, than than I thought they were. I know we had that little bit of stick, didn't we, after our season preview pod, where uh, I can't remember the name of the chap, but he did say he sort of came back and said we should be we should be competing for the title, and they certainly would indicate at the moment that they are going for that. I think for Shimanga, it was brilliant that he came on for the first time a couple of weeks ago. He's then come on and scored. He's come on earlier today and scored again. And he's got that feeling of scoring the winning goal today as well. So, uh, yeah, individually, particularly, Kabongo Shimanga has had a fantastic weekend. And uh, Chesterfield sit proudly top of the league. Who, who else would you say has had a good weekend for you then? South End for me. Okay. Um, They've had a, a fantastic week uh, weekend. Um, I think it was uh, two wins for them, I think, uh, this weekend. Um, I, I mean, I don't think... I think it's common knowledge now that uh, everybody knows that I love Dan Mooney. Um, another fabulous assist for him today. I mean, I could sing his praises for two hours on this podcast, but um, another win for them today. Um, Gus Scott Morris as well, who I'm a, a huge fan of, who stepped up uh, this year, who I think is one of the best wing-backs in the division. Um, he came and scored a goal today on his debut. Um, and another clean sheet. You know, Louis Lomas has come back into that back line after a slow start, obviously through injury and not having a lot of pre-season, and they've had two clean sheets. Um, I backed them to be my dark horses at the start, and um, I think they will be. And another team that got back-to-back uh, -back wins over the weekend and sit proudly in fourth place now is Notts County. Um, and... Uh, they won comfortably 4-1 at Halifax on Saturday. Uh, Macaulay Langstaff uh, with another brace, his third brace of the season. And depending on who you talk to, Kedwin or Sedwin Scott uh, amongst the scorers as well. Um, that was pretty good. But what was really good for them and what would have been really, really good for the Notts County fans is that they found a way to get a result against their former manager, Neil Ardley, on uh, bank holiday Monday. Um, they pushed and pushed for it, but eventually got there um, with uh, an Adam Chickson goal in the second half. He was given a little bit too much room at the far post. A um, little bit of a feisty affair, three or four yellows on either side. Um, and uh, Solihull Moore's first defeat of the season would have been a tough one to take for Neil Ardley, but uh, Notts County under um, Luke Williams. Uh, starting to put some consistency together. Just okay. briefly, well done to Barnet. They got the job done in the live TV game against Eastleigh and Dean Brennan. Uh, overall, in the opening six games of the season, has done really, really well and got Barnet in those playoff positions. Well done, Barnet. Yeah, and obviously Mason Clark left to go to Peterborough this week, so um, big blow for them. Exercise. It doesn't have to mean Lycra or a fancy gym membership. All you need is 10 minutes and you. Because a regular, brisk 10-minute walk is a great way to get more active. Whether that's walking to the shops or getting off the bus to stop early. Picking up the pace and getting your heart pumping can make a real difference to your health. So, to see how much brisk walking you're doing and how you can fit more into your day, download the free Active 10 app. Better health. Let's do this.
So we're going to look at the National League South. And Joe, in the National League South, obviously, good good bank holiday period for Ebsley. The only team across the three divisions with a 100% record. And they say you can lose a title in August. Can you win it? How, can we crown them champions yet, metaphorically? Uh, no, I think there's quite a few teams that will be in the mix. Um, obviously, they are one of them. Um, they would have been looking to bounce back well, obviously, from the playoff final. Um, and they've certainly done that. Um, obviously, they, as you say, six wins out of six, um, looking very, very good offensively, as we've always seen from them. Um, another good win today, 3-0 um, against a, a good side in Dover, who I think will be in the playoffs come the end. Um, two goals to Dominic Polin. It looks as if, obviously, they have lost a couple of players from last season, um, but it looks like they've managed to, uh, you know, do without them so far. Um, so that's a, that's a real plus for them. Um, and Dennis Kucho will be very, very happy. Yeah, it's interesting because we, we chat about Halifax having a playoff hangover, but no such thing for Ebsley. They've really kind of come back with a fire in the belly, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, when you look at, say, Halifax, they obviously, I mean, we'll come on to them, but they lost a lot of players and didn't really sign better than what they got rid of. Whereas, arguably, you'd say that Ebsfleet, the players they've brought in in the summer, they've actually strengthened from their side. And actually that's given them a little bit of a boost coming into this season. Um, Kutriab would have wanted a fast start um, to try and give them a foundation. And it looks like they've got that. Who else would you say has had a, a good bank holiday weekend? Um, Bath. Um, Bath are really impressed. I mean, sort of two different types of wins for Bath. Um, obviously, on the Saturday, they played at, at Farnborough, um, a tough one there, and they managed to scrape a 1-0 win in that, which is a, obviously a big win on the road. Um, and then, obviously, today we saw the best of what they can do, a 5-1 win over my, uh, I say my slough. It's not my slough, but the ones that I've, uh, you know, backed to do well. Um Another poor result for them, but a really, really good result for Bartha. Another goal for Fletcher um, and a hat-trick for, for Cody Cook. Um, and then I, the other one is actually Braintree. I mean, people looked at Braintree at the start of the season and say, you know, they're going to struggle, me included, um, because they obviously lost a couple of players. But they've had a really, really good weekend. Um, two wins, two clean sheets. Um, and Lamar Reynolds, he's... Uh, he started on a house on fire for them, a goal in each game. And uh, yeah, they're in the playoffs and they'll be they'll be happy so far. Dark horses then, do you think? Nobody's really tipped them, like you say, Joe, to, to do well this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's difficult. Um, because obviously, you know, one defeat for them and a win for, you know, a couple of other teams and they're suddenly in mid-table and, you know, down in the bottom half. But they'll be happy. Um, I think the key in, you know, a league like this is good start. Um Hence, obviously, we look at teams like Weymouth, who've had a bad start, mm. um, who'll be worried. Um, I think Braintree will be happy with the start they've made. Um, I wouldn't say they'll be there come the end, but you don't know. You know, this league is brilliant. So uh, they could be, but I wouldn't be so sure. Yeah, as you mentioned, at the other end of the table, Weymouth, they have finally got off the mark. They got off the mark on Monday against Hungerford, but on Saturday, they lost to David Oldfield's old side, Oxford City, and it's just... It's a really horrible time for them. And David Oldfield must be under so much pressure there at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, coming down from the uh, the National League, they would have wanted to get off to a good start. I mean, they haven't really added a lot in the summer and they've lost a lot in the summer. Um, 
and that's you know translated into their start of the season. I mean, we talked last week with Scott Davies from Slough. You know, they they lack character. You know, they lack you know experienced professionals. I mean, you've got a team there that's you know young, inexperienced. Whereas you look at all the teams up there that will be there come the end. They've got experience. Um, obviously, a point which sort of stops the rot. But uh, yeah, I think David Oldfield will be uh, slightly concerned. And uh, and the problem is, I don't think he's got the uh, the wealth of resources to be able to go and improve that Weymouth team either. So it's basically on that team to get them out of the trouble. Yeah, who else should be uh, worried about having a bad weekend this weekend? Well, you know, it's the same team. Dulwich, I mean, you know, coming into the season, everyone said, you know, is Dulwich going to have a good season? And, you know, two defeats for them, two two ones. Um, and, uh, you know, they just can't seem to, to, to get going. Um, the other one, I suppose, is um, is Farnborough. Um, they've obviously, uh, they came up and a couple fancied them. I think they'll be fine come the end. But, you know, they've had a, a really, really poor start. They've obviously lost both of their games 1-0, so they are competitive. Um, the other one that will be a concern, I'm sure, is, um, is Hemel Hempstead. Um, they've lost both games this weekend, haven't scored, conceded six. Um, so that will be a concern for them. And they're obviously down near the bottom. Apart from that, I think it's a, a bit of a mixed bag so far. Yeah, I was going to say, would you class most of the other teams this weekend in the South as, as indifferent? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've seen a couple of teams, you know, one win, one defeat, um, you know, seen two draws and, you know, it's, it is a bit of a mixed bag. That's why in this league, you know, we've seen Ebbsfleet, you know, six wins out of six. Um, you know, they've made a really, really good start. And sometimes when everybody is fighting to get points off each other, there is that one team that, you know, really goes for early doors and puts down an early marker. Um, and it looks like it's Ebbsfleet. Um, but, you know, as I say, there's lots of uh, lots of teams that would have been very, very indifferent um, and still with work to do. Joe, as well, I think a special mention for, for Taunton. Um, I think they'll consider themselves to have had a good weekend now, won't they? Four points. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, big fans of Taunton. They're really, really good local side and they would have wanted to get off to a good start. Um, yeah, four points for them. Big win today, actually, against Chippenham. You know, they got in the playoffs last year um, and they would have... Uh, I think that's going to be the key for them is that those home games, because they have really good home crowds in, um, 3-1 win. They'll be really, really happy, as well, as are most of the, you know, promoted sides. Uh, another good result for Worthing. I mean, they've started brilliant. Um, really, really impressed by them. So, uh, yeah, Taunton will be happy. And uh, Rob Dre, I, I know well, is, uh, he's really doing well there. So, uh, good luck to Rob. Yeah, we can't forget about Dre, can we? Uh, we've also got to mention as well, um, best of luck to Jake Robinson. I know he's picked up a nasty injuries out for the season. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back from that. But Jake, I know you listen to the podcast, so get well soon, mate. And uh, hopefully you'll be back on the pitch sooner rather than later. Let's look at the National League North now. And, and in the National League North, a bit similar to the South, isn't it, Dickie? I mean, a lot of teams were kind of a bit indifferent this weekend, wasn't there? I mean, in terms of who had a very good weekend, as you mentioned, Fylde and Brackley. Yeah, Fylde and Brackley were the only teams uh, to be 100% over the weekend, picking up six points out of six. Um, Fylde uh, were involved in a, a pretty uh, bad-tempered affair um, against Chester on Saturday. There was three red cards shown in that game. Um Chester were reduced to nine men, filed, were down to ten. Um, and yeah, it was a goal from uh, Danny Phyllis Kirk, I think about 15 minutes from time, 
that won that one for Fylde when it was 10 against nine um, on the field. And then, yeah, they've had a 1-0 win today against Southport, um, Lancashire. Uh, I guess you could call them neighbours. Apart from Chorley, I think they're about the closest you're going to get. Um, yeah, so maximum points for James Rose side this weekend, which is very positive for them. I think the six points for Brackley over this weekend are, um, well, needed. They're needed for everybody, to be perfectly honest. But um, yeah, I think Brackley's start was a little bit indifferent. And I think there'd been some concerns amongst the Brackley fan base that they'd not um, maybe replace some of the players they'd lost in the summer. And they've been recruiting right up until... Well, actually, the season's already started and they're still collect. They're still picking up players. But yes, six points out of six over the weekend. A 1-0 win at Gloucester on Saturday. Um, and then, yeah, a, a home victory today. Um, very, very, you know, good to see them getting back on track. It was a, I got the impression their win at Gloucester was very much a, an archetypal Brackley performance. A 1-0 away win. That was very typical of what we saw from them last season. Back to Kevin basics Wilkin. almost, do you think? Yeah, I think Kevin Wilkin will be hoping very much that, that that's a return to the Brackley that, you know, he knows and loves. I wouldn't say the rest of the division loves them because, you know, they strangle the life out of teams. Um, but yeah, they, they look as if they are I'd had my concerns about them, but they look as if they might be sort of like getting back on track. I know in terms of bad week or a bad weekend, Hereford are one of those teams, aren't they? They seem to like get results in clusters. They'll lose a couple, then they'll win a couple. They've lost both games over the weekend, haven't they, at Banbury? And I know Joe's got an interesting fact about Hereford Gloucester, but Josh Gowling won't be too happy, will he, with the weekend? Well, no, you don't pick up anything out of six points available. You're not going to be. Um, I think it was sounded as if it wasn't bad tempered on the field necessarily on Saturday, but I think the uh, the game between Banbury and Hereford was marred by some um, some fairly unpleasant scenes away from the field, and that's not a great reflection on either club, to be perfectly honest. Although they're not unique in that, there's plenty of that going on um, around the National League at the moment. We don't like to see it, but yeah, they they've uh, they lost again today, and against Gloucester, you know, it's. I wouldn't necessarily class it as a derby match, but again, it's there is a little bit of that sort of rivalry in that corner of the of the National League North that goes on between the two teams, and and it's Gloucester that came away from Edgar Street with all three points. Yeah, I mean, I always take an interest, obviously, in those two from uh, obviously the connections with both managers having been captain of Torquay, but I, th- I think the the real problem or the concern for for Gowling is you know that's two games in a row now they've conceded three goals. Um, and the fact that last year they lost Brandon Hall or in the in the summer, you know, lost Brandon Hall, they lost Christian Pierce, you know, two key parts of that defence. And then suddenly, you know, they're shipping goals for fun. I mean, obviously, Gowling as an de- old defender himself would be pulling his hair out. Um, although I did see a goal today for Amadi Holloway. Um, I didn't. I That one slipped under the under the radar. He seems to be a, a good signing. I mean, he was in League One last year. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think uh, Josh Garland will be a little bit uh, concerned um, with their start. Yeah, and that they lost Ben Pollock as well, who used to play in a defensive midfield role in, in front of that back four. He's gone to Boston. Um, so they have had some turnover of players. They lost Tom Owen Evans, who I think he was one of their main creative uh, forces there. And they, 
you know, they they have replaced. They've got Tyrone Barnett in, who's who's much travelled. I think he was at Eastleigh last season. So they've got some, um, you know, they've got a scorer in their team. But any team that goes through that kind of level of changes, it's going to take a bit of time um, to bed in. And as we all know, having time to bed in uh, doesn't sort of well. If you don't get off to a good start in this division, you're playing catch up for the rest of the season. Um, and I think that would be the fear with any of the sides that haven't started uh, particularly strongly is that, you know, you're already finding yourselves a few points adrift um, and it's a relentless league. It's a tough league. And finally, just on Gloucester, um, massive that they've gotten away when they've, they've had good home form so far, but I don't think they'd picked up any points away from home until today, had they? I don't believe so, no. And, and they do have... I dare say, an advantage of playing on uh, their 3G or 4G pitch at their stadium, which which does, you know, help them, the players, know how to play on that surface. But, yeah, getting a win away from home is a big result for them. Goals from Mark McClure and two from Trey Mitford, who they picked up in the summer after he was released from Brackley. So that's a really positive, um, positive result for Lee Mansell's side. Yeah, lots of red cards around in the north. There's something in the water, I think, over this weekend, wasn't there? I know Scarborough's had a had a few as well. They had another one up at Blythe. Ultimately, they, they won the game, didn't they? But it's been a, a mad few days, hasn't it? Yeah, there were there were fewer today than there were on Saturday. I think on Saturday there might have been, I think I counted seven, and that didn't include the dismissal of both um managers at the Spennymore versus Darlington game. Alan Armstrong from Darlington was dismissed for actually entering the field of play to, to remonstrate over the fact that a member of the um, Spennymore team um, had, I think, dangled a foot out in the direction of one of the players and just nudged the ball back onto the pitch. The technical area is literally about six inches from the touchline at Spennymore. It's that there isn't a big gap. That caused a bit of a set to on the field. You had management from both sides on the field, players from both sides pushing and shoving. Yeah, and ultimately Bernard Morley and Alan Armstrong were both shown red cards out of that, which it's difficult because I think the game kicked off early because many more and Darlington fans um, don't, you know, have a great Get deal on. of love for one <laughs> another. Yeah, they don't have a great deal of love for one another. And I suppose when you're aware that, you know, the game is being played in, in that atmosphere... The last thing you want is for the management of both sides to get involved in something like that, which is just, you know, red rag to a ball, isn't it, unfortunately? And I know passions boil over. I know it's not that easy when things happen on the field. So I'm not, you know, laying any blame necessarily at their door. But you just look and you just think to yourself, when they're trying to get calm or when they're trying to ask the fans to remain calm and be respectful and not get involved in that kind of stuff, it's not helpful when you see it kick off on the field. There was eight red cards on Saturday, only the one on Bank Holiday Monday, so they behaved themselves on Bank Holiday Monday. They're all suspended. Oh, no, they don't kick in for seven days, do they? I, I think uh, I think just on that, I think that's probably the only sort of downer on the, and Scarborough's start, actually, because um, they've had a really, really good start to the mm. season, but they've actually had someone sent off in their last three games. Um, you know, and especially when they didn't come into the season with a huge squad anyway and didn't add a lot. You can't be losing, you know, a player a week, you know, losing for, for three games because, you know, you need your, you need your squad um, at this, certainly at this point, um, just as we enter sort of the uh, back end of the, the year. Um, so that's sort of the only downer so far for them. 
Mm, yeah, Kieran Glynn, the man dismissed for them today. And looks like it was a straight red. So again, depending on what it was for, he could be looking at a three-game suspension there, which isn't helpful. I've not seen the incident. I don't know what it was for. So, you know, we can't lay blame at his door necessarily. But the chances are of getting red cards overturned in this league are very, very low indeed. So you know that if a player picks up a suspension, they're almost likely to going to have to serve it. Um, and yeah, it just restricts his manager's options next time. Talking of the other newly promoted clubs, well, I mean, Kings Lynn, um, they haven't got 100% record, but still a decent weekend for them. They remain top. They picked up four points, didn't they, over the weekend? They did. They lost their 100% record uh, on Saturday, rather surprisingly, perhaps some might have thought, uh, to a Leamington side who went there. Uh, Dan Turner on target again for Leamington. He's on fire in the early weeks of the season. And, and uh, a hard, it will have been a hard-earned point, but it will have been equally as hard for Kings Lynn because Leamington love uh, to, to rub you know other teams' noses in it. They revel in that underdog tag. Uh, under Paul Holleran. And yeah, Kingsland picked up maximum points today, a win. Well, two sides new to the division, East Anglian Derby, Peterborough Sports 1, Kingsland 2, goals from Josh Coulson. Um, and yeah, Barrett with the winner in the third minute of injury time after Dion Semby Ferris had leveled Peterborough Sports. Obviously, no, um, Dickie touched on it there, but a really, really good for, uh, weekend for, for Leamington, four points for them. Um, stopped Kingsland's winning start and then beat. Uh, Bambury, who were, were unbeaten so far. So, uh, really, really good weekend for Paul Holloran. So, Buxton are a bit of a surprise to me at the minute, Dickie. They started off okay. I thought they'd be a lot higher up than they are. They, they squandered a lead to lose against Blythe on Saturday and then they drew against yourselves, Telford, on Monday, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, like, well, I don't say they did have the lead today. I'm not sure they could necessarily, that they squandered it there, although. They will be very disappointed. They took the lead through Sean Newton from a free kick in the 43rd minute. And by 44 minutes, it was one each when Brandon Daniels levelled for Telford. Um, I had a very quick word with Jamie Vimiglio after the game, but they were obviously, they were keen to get on the bus. I think they were running a little bit behind. So I didn't get to, to capture any audio with him. But I was speaking to yeah their, their media representative, Elliot Stedman, who came along to the game. He said they're very or they're beset with injuries at the moment. They could only name four substitutes today, one of whom was a goalkeeper. They lost Jason Gilchrist in the first half as well. They had James Hardy out injured. Uh, Mace Goodridge, a former Telford player, he was out injured as well. So they've got... Um, I don't think they've got the biggest of squads anyway. And then when they've got a few injuries of hit, um, then, then yes, it, it's hit them badly. So... I was surprised. I'm surprised with how they've done because from the outside looking in, I thought they were the team who looked the best equipped out of the promoted sides to hit the ground running. Um, and actually, they're the, they're the team that's done least well out of all the promoted sides into the division so far. But, you know, Jamie Vermiglio knows this league. He's got a very experienced assistant in Tommy Miller. I think if they can get these injured players back, and uh, they will be more of a force. But yeah, it's just not the start they, that they would have wanted. Yeah, and some breaking transfer news from Telford. You signed Jamie Allen on a free from Casa Moore, haven't you? Yeah, indeed we have. Yeah, it was um, something that sort of came about. Well, it, I'm sure the discussion's been going on for longer than that, but I was made aware of it um, late on Saturday that it was, it was a possibility. 
um, it, it was certainly confirmed on Saturday evening that the, that the deal had been done, but it wasn't announced by Telford until today. He wasn't available to play in today's game. Um, I think what he, although I've not spoken to him, I think what both Telford and the player himself, more importantly, are very keen to stress is um, that this isn't any of a kind of a publicity stunt and that, yes, we're aware that there's going to be a lot of attention around the fact that he was on Love Island. And yes, there's doubtless to be lots of jokes going around about that. Um, but I get the impression that Jamie Allen wants to be seen very much as a footballer. He was asked by Paul Carden before the deal was signed, you know, I want to be sure where your head at is, you know, what's your priority? And he has told Paul Carden very clearly that his priority is football. So you've got to take him at his word on that. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he can bring to the Telford side. He's not a prolific scorer. Um, and Telford have only scored three in six games so far. Um, they are beset by a few injury problems, but he will give them at least one more option. Um, we've got Jason Oswell out. Nate Blissett um, didn't start the game today. Um, and yeah, it's falling down for Telford in the final third at the moment. So... Um, Jamie Allen, there is a little bit of, not expectation, but pressure on him, I would say, um, to to help that Telford forward line find the net. Let's hope he lasts longer than six days than he did in Love Island, eh? <laughs> well, he's only going to make it through to, what was it, Friday? And yeah. he'll have done that Saturday, yeah. So, uh, no, I mean, look, inevitably, we're going to be talking about some of these things because, you know, there is a, a history of players who have appeared in the National League appearing on that programme. I think we had Aaron Simpson, another uh, player who spent time on loan at Telford when he was at Wolves in the programme. Finn Tapp, of course, was a, a winner of that programme and I don't think he's returned um, to, to football since. Um, I think Jamie Allen's experience there was sufficiently short that his um, celebrity life after Love Island isn't likely to be a lengthy one. So, you know, understandably, he wants to get back to doing what? you know, he does um, best, arguably, which is playing football. I like what Joe's put there. He says, Love Island to Telford is a new stockport to Halifax. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we're, well, uh, yeah, we had Ashley Kane, who's been on, I think, X on the Beach uh, on MTV, was also a former Telford player as well. So, yeah, we, we I wouldn't say we were a magnet for this kind of thing. It's, <laughs> it's perhaps just a, re I think it's perhaps just a reflection of, you know, the sort of, um, dare I say, the, the generation who are playing in the National League and North and South these days is these kind of TV programmes appeal to them, you know. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily that Telford's a magnet for it. It's just, you know, players move around and we just happen to have had two or three who've, who've sort of had reality TV careers. Oh, Sean Clancy as well. Um, <laughs> Housewives of Cheshire or whatever it was called. Yeah, that those. Sean Clancy was another one. So, um, yeah, maybe we have got a reputation for it. I'll take it. <laughs> Joe, have there any sort of famous players played at Tarkey or have been on reality shows? No, no, we don't have the attraction that Telford does. <laughs> I've been to Torquay and it would say it's probably got more attractions than Telford. 
Well, that is it. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks to Joe, Dickie and Rob. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at TWFP1. We're also on Instagram as well, NL Full Time. And give us a subscribe and a like because basically it gets us up on the charts and then that's all good for us. Until then, uh, we will see you all next weekend. <laughs>